Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, February 10th. 
deep roots in fashion and music have helped the self-described film director Bailey Walsh stage powerful experiences from ABBA Voyage to Kim Jones's recent shows for Dior Men and Fendi Couture. This week on the BOF podcast, our editor-at-large sits down with Bailey Walsh to understand his creative process and how he first started collaborating with Kim Jones. Fashion is embedded in Bailey Walsh's life and work, but so is music. As Tim says, he was formed in the London crucible that gave the world Boy George, Lee Bowery, and Alexander McQueen, and he worked closely with them all. So here's Bailey Walsh with Tim Blanks on the BOF podcast. Today we're sitting with Bailey Walsh, who calls himself a filmmaker, but I call him a miracle worker. He's known to the world for so many iconic moments in pop culture and in fashion, and now he is the mastermind behind Abba Voyage, which is stunning audiences over the head and dragging them comatose out of the theatre with wonder on a regular basis in East London. Bailey, you've just got back from Paris, where you mounted two spectaculars for Kim Jones, first for Dior Men and second for Fendi Couture. So let's yes. talk about those, shall okay. we? Okay. What can I say? Kim asked me, he saw Abba. I've known Kim for a long time, not well, from a distance, many mutual friends. I love what he's doing. I think he's growing every time I see another collection. And he saw Abba Voyage and said, right now, you know, great, would you love to do something? And I said, yes, I'd love to. So Kim's very clear when he comes to you, he has strong ideas, which is great. It's like, okay, how can I make that work? So, you know, he came to me with Wasteland, with the music of Max Richter, with the idea of big screens. And so, you know, I just had to kind of make the puzzle work. But, you know, it was Kim's initial ideas. Given those ingredients, I mean, that sends you in a certain direction. You're working with T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland. You're working with the music of Max Richter. There's a certain prevalent melancholy about those ingredients right off the start. And then to have Gwendolyn Christie and Robert Pattinson reading the poetry in massive close-up, IMAX-sized close-up, was that your idea? So yeah, you I mean, that? Kim had cast Gwendolyn and Robert, which was great, and I was very excited to work with them. And it was just about a choice of how can we make these ingredients, as you call them, how can we make them work, and especially with the show and this enormous screen, which is basically 10 by 1, so you've got a 75-metre, two 75-metre screens by 7 metres. So it's a 10 to 1 ratio, which is an impossible ratio. It's like a letterbox. So that was a really interesting challenge. And what I love about being creative or being having the opportunity to be creative is a challenge, right? So it's like you've got these elements of the wasteland and Max Richter music, and there was these massive screens. And it's like these massive screens I felt could be really overwhelming and overtake everything and overtake the collection and what we were there for. So how could I make those screens work? So basically, I just dove into the poetry of T.S. Eliot, which I didn't know at all. I had to really immerse myself in that. Great, fantastic, what a joy. And Max Richter, again, what a joy. I'm a massive fan of Max Richter. 
Kim's idea of putting Max Richter and, and the poetry and the wasteland together, I was unsure about it. But so what I did was got another recording from two actors and put that over infra to see if it would work. And to my joy, it worked perfectly. And it was just a, a dream. So then it was like, how can we make the visuals work? Well, it was very, to me, the, the, the wasteland, there's an awful, you know, it's about water, it's about flow, it's about rivers. So it was like, that was my approach to the kind of visuals within the screen was it should flow, it should be a river. And never use the screen as one whole screen. So you're just overwhelmed with bombarded with image. It should ebb and flow over the 75 meters. So that was kind of my way in. And then... It was very challenging in another way, which is just logistically, because obviously the collection is never ready before collection day. So I asked Kim and his team, I needed to film it because I knew that I couldn't film it live. Even though the impression was it was being filmed live, I knew that we couldn't do that because it would look appalling. Because you'd have audience in it, you'd have fire exits, you'd have, you know, it would just be really, really messy and unattractive. And it could never have edited it in the way that we did, which is basically the ebb and flow of a river, the ebb and flow of water. We could never have done that live. So I knew that we had to film it as soon as we could before the collection. So basically we had two days before the show day. So we filmed on one day, filmed and edited overnight, filmed on the day before the show and edited over that night. So it was a real kind of logistical challenge. But it was a great joy. It was a real big joy. I loved it. Was it a situation where you didn't know if it would work until you could actually do it in the moment? No, you never know. But that's, the, you know, however I didn't know. We'll come to that, I'm sure. But, you know, I never know if something's going to work. And you never want to know. For me, I think that you have to be scared if you're a creative person. It's a really important point of being scared because it means you're entering into an arena, you're entering into a journey that you haven't done before. Well, that's the point of doing it. I love to be scared. And it, it forces me into a situation, I work really hard. The reason I work hard is because I'm scared. Right? It's like, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't want to let Kim down. I don't want to let Abba down. I don't want to let anyone down. Most of all, I don't want to let myself down. Right? It's great to be scared. I'm learning. I learn every time. I don't know if most jobs, I don't know if they're going to work. There's so many ingredients involved. So you never know if all those ingredients are going to come together and gel. It felt like Fendi was a lot more controlled. I mean, the scale of Dior Men, which obviously the designer, Kim Jones, would want what you're doing to amplify what he had done. And when something is so huge, there's the risk that it would dwarf it. But I thought it amplified the clothing. I thought it gave the clothing such weight. I mean, such heft. Yeah, I mean, I think on both instances, Kim was, again, I can't take credit necessarily. I mean, maybe I'm being modest, but I think that both of those ideas that Kim came up with, I think they both worked for each collection in a sense of Dior was great with those great big screens because I could show the detail in this vast, immense image, right? A detail that you don't usually see. So it's like, you know, you can go really get into those clothes. And Kim's collection at Dior, the menswear this time, was very detailed. It was all about the detail. And likewise, the great thing about the Fendi was that Kim chose to show that in a much smaller space. Well, it's au couture. The joy of that was that you 
all of the audience could see those clothes very close up. So you can see all of the craftsmanship. So that choice of doing it in the Oval Room in that small space with actually a small audience was a really smart choice, which, of course, you know, I embraced and... Uh, tried to make the best of it. And, and I, I think that was very easy to do because it was a great choice. And he liked the lighting effect from ABBA, which you carried over into the... Yeah, a variation show. of it, because obviously it's an idea that I had on ABBA, but you can't... I don't want to take that and, and just give that literally. Mm. You have to make a variation. I think like all artists do, you work on things and then you kind of make variations of them as you work. So tell me how that lighting effect, which was the light chasing around the room, like I was thinking of it as the Hadron Collider, this kind of revolving thing in the room. The idea on the Fendi was, which was interesting, because it, for me, it didn't work as well. I don't think it mattered at all. It didn't work as well as I'd wanted on the Fendi show, simply because the light was to follow the girls. So it was basically, it was the girls' aura for me. It was their spirit. So it's literally their spirit was following them around the room. Because, again, the models get one chance to rehearse, we have one rehearsal, to get those girls to get the right speed was a bit variable. So sometimes it hit and sometimes it didn't hit. But that was the idea, was just their spirit. I love that idea of their glowing spirit moving around the room with them. And then something about the staging of that show, which struck a chord with me, and I don't know if it was supposed to strike the chord it struck, but because the clothes themselves were very silvery and very linear and it's funny in the personality of Fendi which is a Roman house there is antiquity but there's always been a lot of futurism I think and so I really felt like the staging of that was quite futuristic I felt like I was in a conference room in another dimension or something. Absolutely. It was very THX1138 in a way, you know. It's that, that beautiful yeah. white space and that clarity and that... Li- but as Kim said, his whole idea with that collection was about lightness and light and the weight of the materials and the, the light and the reflection of those, the iridescence of that collection. Again, I loved that space. That worked really well. The idea of creating an immersive event for a fashion show I mean, the idea of creating immersive events generally, it seems to me that this is something you specialise, that you're a specialist in, that you've managed. I think of things that people would know you for, like the unfinished sympathy video for Massive Attack, the Kate Moss hologram for the Widows of Culloden, the, the Alexander McQueen show in 2001, ABBA, obviously. And these two recent reminders, you have a predilection for experiences that engage the audience rather than... Yeah, I think that but, but my interest is always emotional. I'm not necessarily an intellectual director. I try to connect myself on an emotional level. And if I'm connecting on an emotional level, I believe the audience will as well. So Unfinished Sympathy, for instance, well, that beautiful song, that's a gift to be given, right? That's, I mean, all of these works that you're kind of saying I've done, they're all being gifts to me. This thing of an opportunity to be creative with this work, which is Unfinished Sympathy, for instance, that song is one of the, I just adore it. It's top 10 for me. So to be given that song and to kind of immerse myself in that song and imagine what is this song saying to me? So that song, you know, it's this unbroken thought. It's that thing of when you have been damaged by somebody, you're damaged in love, and you're walking down the street and you don't remember one single thing that you've, you've been walking for a mile 
and you do not remember one thing that you've seen. Someone could have come and smacked you in the face, you wouldn't have noticed, right? So it's that unbroken thought. So with that idea, it becomes an unbroken take. It's just a one take. So it's all about the one take of walking down the street and not remember. Shara's in her own world. So all of the, the kind of ideas that I have, they're emotional responses to the music that I've been given or to the idea I've been given. They're emotional. And I always want my audience, I hope that they will respond emotionally in the way I did when I was given the work. And yet Unfinished Sympathy is a, is a great prelude in a way because it's simple. It's a woman walking down a street for unbroken, you know, the beginning of Touch of Evil, Orson Welles, where that camera follows Charlton Heston and Janet Leigh all the way through town. The bomb goes off, the camera goes through a window. That's sort of allegedly unbroken scene. But at the same time, you think about it afterwards and the simplicity becomes so challenging. How on an ordinary city street can you do something like that? I know that there was a man with a steady cam on his back and... He could only do it four times because he was so exhausted. Why would you want to do it more than four times? But all of this... Because it all goes wrong. I mean, I tried to have written on my forehead, keep it simple, because I think the simple ideas are the best. They are usually the most challenging because you can distract people with a lot of nonsense. So when it's simple, you can't hide anywhere. So Unfinished Sympathy, for instance, yes, that was really complicated shoot. All those people on that street are all set. I spent weeks mapping them all out and, you know, exactly where they'd go, what direction they'd be going, what their actions would be. And then we come to do it in the first take. The Steadicam director is supposed to go up ramps to go overhead and he gets halfway down the street and he can't do it. And this is winter in LA, so it's going to be dark at five and we've only taken the first shot at two o'clock, right? So we're in trouble. Suddenly it's like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? So get rid of all the ramps, pull everyone back. Shara at the end, she walks around a corner. We're supposed to go around that corner with her and get onto a crane and go up and see downtown LA. Well, I just lost all of that. Basically pulled all the extras back into a much shorter space. Now, because of that, when something goes wrong and your big idea goes wrong and you've rehearsed it as much as you possibly can without the steady cam operator, when something goes wrong, sometimes it's a massive blessing to you. And unfinished sympathy is probably much better because it didn't have all of those flourishes that I wanted to put in. And it is incredibly simple. So when you are faced with that challenge, which is very difficult on the day because you're about to fluff the video and everyone's going to be really angry at you you just somehow use your common sense and just do the best you can but like I say the great thing about it is I think it probably much better video for it when I saw the video after having made it for the first time I saw it in LA I was completely destroyed and thought it was a disaster and said I hate it we're going back home I'm going to sort this out back at home (laughs) and then yeah, came back, and then everyone in the kind of edit suites where I'd go, or the you know the post production house where we were finishing up, putting sound on, and all of that stuff, I could see there was a reaction to it that I didn't expect, right? And all of my insecurities, because I'd had such a hard time shooting it, all of my insecurities just gradually fell away, and I realised I was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> the emotional impact of that—it's another signature. It is a signature of yours that you make these things which really touch people. 
that enthrall people because they haven't seen it before. I remember the audience in the McQueen show when the Kate hologram form came up and all of that. And it was like a very magical effect. It was like literally magic, but at the same time, it was technically incredibly challenging. Again, music plays an enormous part. I mean, any great film we see, you can be sure there is a great soundtrack to it. So I think my work relies an awful lot on music. And I think that the emotional, whatever percentage that is, but there's there's a very big part of my work the success of it or not is to do with the music. It gets inside you, it gets us emotionally. And uh, whether that makes us happy, makes us sing along, makes us cry, you know, music touches you, pushes buttons. And it certainly does me, which is, as I was saying, they're gifts. They touch me and they give me imagination to make something. The music tells me what I'm making. Sometimes I have to dig deep for that. It doesn't just magically happen. You have to listen to it over and over and over. You know, when I started making videos, I used to listen to tracks over and over and over and over again, just digging, 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 trying to find the best ideas. And of course you have a hundred ideas. And often the first idea will be the best idea, but I have to know that's the best idea that I can have. So I will dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. Sometimes you dig and it's come up with some gold. What was your favourite video? I would have to say, I count Generations of Love, which is actually my second video, I count that as my first video because that's where I discovered who I am as a filmmaker and what possibilities there were for me, how to grow. So I would say that Generations of Love was my springboard to everything I've done since. Obviously, along the way, I've learned an awful lot, various different lessons, but that gave me the possibility of being me. I found a voice on my second video, which isn't bad, right? Because often you're desperately searching, artists and filmmakers are desperately searching for their voice. I found my voice on the second video. We'll be right back with more on the BOF podcast. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Talking about memory and how you're the starting point of all, all your stories in, in a way, ABBA, which is, for many people, probably one of the strongest pop memories they'll ever have, through decades, what, how many decades? Four decades of ABBA music ruling people's lives. And then Mamma Mia, the stage show and the movies. And, and now ABBA, I call it voyage in a sort of oh, 70s disco phrasing, <laughs> but ABBA voyage. It's one of the most thrilling experiences that I've had in recent years, but also one of the, I guess, most disconcerting in a way, initially disconcerting. The audience was delirious through the entire thing. Absolutely, it was hysterical. But then when we left, people seemed a bit kind of like, what the hell did we just see? I mean, people seemed, it's impossible, but it's, we lived it. Basically, I was asked by Svana Giesler, who I'd worked with many times, you know, if I would be interested. You know, it was an opportunity. She's the producer with Ludwig Anson. It was this opportunity that was impossible to say no to. I mean, you know, First of all, there was, there was kind of... Johan Rank had been working on it and started the whole thing up. And when I came on, it was very loose about what it was going to be. And, I mean, you know, the idea of the concert wasn't there yet. It was much more cinematic. Johan's kind of ideas were very cinematic. So I came in at this point where it was still very open, which was great. I wasn't kind of taking over someone else's kind of baby and you know, bringing it up. I was able to bring my ideas to it which was wonderful. And God bless Johan for that generosity to pass it on to me. It was your idea to take it from the cinematic experience to the immersive yes. live experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To bring it into a live concert. I mean, when I 
It's that thing of what do I want to see, right? And I just thought, well, I want to see have a life. It's a no-brainer. So, and the other thing I just thought, you know, they're building an arena for this. The arena idea was already there, right? So I just thought that's a challenge. How can you fill this with 3,000 people a night with cinematic idea? I didn't think it would work. Those songs sound incredibly modern still. They're still so relevant, right? But how would they present themselves now? And obviously, they're very involved in those decisions, right? You know, I come up with an idea, and it's like, obviously, you know, they've got to agree to this. But they were very, very open. They obviously loved the ideas. They wouldn't have gone ahead with it if they didn't. And like I say, they were very, very involved in all of the kind of decisions of costume and how they look and what's the set list, all of that. They're very, very involved. I think that's one of, and I've said it many times, I think that's a very big reason that this is a success is because they are there. This is their essence is there. They're very present. You know, we filmed them for five weeks. We motion captured every movement. It's their voices. It's their speeches. It's their, they wrote those speeches. They are very, very present in that show. And I think that you feel it. It's full of love. It's full of love. I also love that there's a sort of ironic undertow where Benny in particular is commenting on on the impossibility of it, yet we're all there. Yeah. Like, we haven't done this for 40 years, you know, all that. So constantly reminding us that what we're looking at is physically impossible, but they are so present. they talking to each other. They change costumes. They go off stage. When the lights are off, you can still see them there. It's like... Yeah, no, the illusion was great fun because obviously you have an idea. Now make it work, right? How can we make this illusion real? How can we make it... You've just said one thing, which is really, really, it's a really important moment. When the lights are out, you must still see them. Because when you're at a gig, you can always see people moving about on the stage, right? We cannot have a kind of just a black nothing. You've got to see them moving in the dark. You have to. And that was a really important decision early on that I realised. Because, of course, you don't think about that. You're thinking about the big picture, right? Like, what am I going to do for this song, <laughs> right? But then it gets down to the detail. And the detail is, you know, God is in the detail. And one of the fabulous things about that job was I had time. It took me two and a half years. That's a lot of time. I mean, it's not a lot of time when the amount I had to do, but it gives you time to think. So every day you're refining and it's like, oh, guys, we didn't film those in-between moments on the songs. I need them. Can we use bits that outtakes? You know what I mean? It's like I had time. So that's another reason it works, because we were given time. You brought in a whole team, huge teams of people to, yeah, to and that's work the, with them. Uh, yeah, and that's more the producers brought in huge teams. God bless you, you say that I'm the mastermind behind Abba Voyage. God bless you for that. I am the creative behind Abba Voyage, I would say. I would say the producers are more mastermind than I am in the sense of bringing these people together. That was the producers. And they surrounded themselves and myself and Abba with amazing people. And I got to work with amazing people. And without those people... You know, I take an awful lot of credit and, you know, it's my name up there as director. But, the you know, I'm as good as the people I'm working with. And everybody I work with pretty much, amazing. 
I don't want to spoil it for people because there's a couple of moments which are just so incredible. But if I talk about them, then that'll spoil it for people who are going to go and see them. But there is one great moment which isn't a spoiler because people have written about it, but they're there and then they just disappear. And and that was, I thought, a fabulous reminder that it was seeded with these things that what you were looking at was real, as real as it could be, but it wasn't. Because you don't want to be dishonest, right? Well, I felt that we didn't want to be dishonest, right? So there's reminders of, guys, okay, we, you're here, but this is a trick. Or not even a trick, this is something other. So, for instance, you know, at the end of Lower Your Love, you get to the kind of, you know, the camera goes up and up and up and then it kind of cranks down. And so you, you're on this giant iMag image of Agnetta and Frida that shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and it comes down and suddenly they're on stage again. You're playing with people's perceptions, right? Which was so much fun. Because I'm playing with my own perception. Listen, it's like I say, I make work for myself. I know if I love it, I know if I'm emotional about it, then everyone else will be. So if I feel good about it and I cry every day when I'm imagining and working on ABBA and I'm crying every day to this idea, I know the audience will because I'm human and my audience is human, especially ABBA fans. They're really human. (laughs) So I love to be my perceptions to be kind of twisted and confused. Another thing about your work, fashion is an important subtext in your work. And I'm curious about the fashion in ABBA Voyage. When I was reading about more sort of technical things about the show, it was really interesting to see how fashion played a part in that. Because obviously ABBA's costumes were very particular in their heyday. Very particular. Fashion is a, a kind of an interest of mine and I love when I'm allowed to work in it and dip my toe into it. And I'm, I, you know, I know an awful lot of fashion people in the sense of designers and people who work in the industry, writers, and work. I'm surrounded by that. And they, they're incredibly creative people. And with ABBA, we didn't want this to be a nostalgic trip. This is about bringing ABBA into the 21st century, right? So that means that we weren't looking to reproduce their 70s costumes. It was the 21st century version of that. So Biakalan was the designer who worked with other designers. And she was very good. And she worked, you know, I'm delighted with the costumes. I think that they work really, really well. Because there is a nostalgic edge to them, but they are very modern at the same time. And they're definitely not old ABBA costumes. And I think that any girl would be very happy to wear any of those costumes. And any boy would too. When you say that Kim wanted to collaborate with you after he'd seen ABBA Voyage, is that something that's like, you know, do you envisage that as being something that happens more? Would you like to do more things like that? Of course. I mean, I, you know, I love to work with designers. I mean, you know, my kind of fashion life started with Anthony Price and I staged his fashion show at the Camden Palace in 1981. Yeah, I directed that. I staged that, which was my first experience of it and Anthony was a you know a great influence in my life a massive influence in my life and I feel really lucky that he was part of it and he's still part of it from there I went on to stage fashion shows in Italy and for, you know with like men's fashion company called Cluja Gianelli Lee McQueen asked me and yeah, so I've, there's uh, there's always been fashion shows in my blood 
having been an old model. You know, I did many a fashion show. <laughs> the old modelling days. Fashion's always been part of my life. And would I like to... Yes, I always wanted to be part of my life. This is slightly different, though, these immersive experiences. It, do you feel there are opportunities fashion is missing? To explore. No, but you, but you say that they're immersive. I think the term immersive is kind of confusing to me because everything I always... I mean, you've been very generous to me in saying that all of my work is immersive, but in the world we live in, we talk about immersive theatre, right? I'm always confused about what immersive theatre is. It's like, listen, ABBA is immersive, right? Because I brought the lights into the arena, which I think is immersive theatre. My idea was, okay, whatever ABBA are on the stage, whatever lights are on the stage, we're going to give the audience to. So you don't know whether you're on the stage with them or whether ABBA are in the audience. So basically it's just one space, right? That was the kind of idea. Although we want to feel, you know, ABBA are on the stage, they're, they're our kind of our gods, our deities, right? But I just wanted it for us all to be in the same space. But something like Dior... Actually, there was no join between the screens and the and the audience. There's no. It's just a big screen. So, in my idea, it's immersive because it's so big. Emotionally <laughs> immersive. Maybe. Emotionally immersive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can obviously John Galliano's productions with Michael Howells, just with theatre in the round. Totally. Yeah, and obviously there's there's McQueen. There's been there are many examples, but I suppose what I'm thinking of, and in it's this when case, fashion goes theatre, right? Which for us kind of who have experienced a lot of fashion over the years, is kind of, they're the memorable shows, right? They're the shows that really stick with us. And, you know, which is why, again, the Kate hologram, people remember it, for, you know, it's memorable, it's a moment, but it's a theatrical trick. But it does help you remember that collection, right? Because it goes beyond just that theatrical moment. If you remember the clothes, the clothes are the moment. The dress that Kate's wearing is the moment. So I love theatre and fashion, the merging of that. It's beauty. I'm kind of backtracking here when I'm saying, of course, there have been many emotionally engaging fashion shows over the years and yeah, enthralling. Um, Dries van Noten, Raf Simmons, many, many people who've managed to tug my heartstrings like really hard. I suppose what I'm talking about here is that sometimes technology, when it's used in fashion context, becomes quite forbidding or... There was a kind of distancing effect. I suppose I feel that, that being so moved by the machinery of Abba Voyage and by the Dior show, I mean, seeing a way that, seeing opportunities there to be explored. I'm really happy to hear that you think that because, like I say, my interest is emotional. I want to feel something. I want an emotional response to whatever, you know, whether it's my work or someone else's work, I'm just interested in an emotional response. I want to cry at a fashion show. I want to cry at a film. I want to be moved. I want to feel something. Because we're all so numb. You know, life is pretty tough. I want to be reminded, I want to be moved by beauty, by happiness, by music. I want to forget the misery that is out there. What's the future of this then, do you think? Having created something like ABBA, Voyage, and I, I guess obviously lots of people would say, well, you could apply that to all sorts of... So, no, absolutely. I think that you, you could. We got lucky, everyone that worked on ABBA Voyage, because it was ABBA. They are actually the perfect band to have done this. First of all, they haven't toured for 40 years, so there's a hunger for them. They're all very much alive. 
their motives for doing this were creative, not financial. They didn't come in here thinking we want to make a load of money. They came in out of curiosity, creative curiosity. That's a very rare thing, especially with someone with the money that that took to put on. The motive would usually be financial, which immediately stains everything and puts pressure on everything in a way that isn't conducive to creativity. So many, many reasons why I have the perfect band. And they're very visual. There's four of them. They move. They dance. They're a very visual band, which obviously you need. That's a very good justification for why ABBA works as well as it does, because they're not touched by anything either. The fact they are still all here, there's not a kind of patina of tragedy or anything anywhere. There's, there's just a purity in ABBA that lends itself to this incredibly pure entertainment. What? Who? Is there anything that you could see? Well, I'm very interested in people who are coming to see that show, where they take it. What inspiration have we given them? What could theatre do with it? It's up for grabs, right? We're the first, but I'm really interested to see where other people take this. I was coming here on the tube and I was just, there was a Les Miserables poster, 38th sensational year. Unbelievable, right? I mean, that show, Abba Voyage, could run in that theatre for centuries. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> You'll have to create an avatar of yourself. Of myself. To, to, to go and tinker with it every yeah, day. Exactly. I hope the magic continues and audiences continue to love it. And they really do love it. I really do my best. I'm not on any social media at all, right? I am not on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook, Twitter, any of it. Never have been. However, people show me a lot of the kind of social media stuff from the ABBA show. And it's unbelievable it's glorious and I know I know that I shouldn't take it seriously but it's pretty serious there isn't a negative comment and long may that last do you get people coming and talking to you about things like deep fakes and oh my god this is going to act as saying this technology could potentially replace us all and well it feels dangerous right because yeah it feels dangerous I mean on ABBA level it's a different thing to deep fake because on an ABBA level, you know, it took us two and a half years to make. So no politician is going to make it. You know, no politician's not going to make any difference because they'll be gone by then anyway, right? I mean, especially the way our ministers, they're, they're quicker than football managers. They're in and out. So I think that on our level, it's not going to make any difference at all. On the internet, yeah, I mean, it is kind of worrying. I always try and see the positive, and I just try and see a show. Thank you, Bailey. Tim, it's been a delight. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. The BOF Podcast is edited and produced by Emma Clark, Kate Vartan, and Eric Bria. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. 
luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. In the BOF Studio team, 